opportunity. I'm sorry you're under the weather, but I'm so glad for the opportunity to preach tonight, and thank you for your trust. Don't take this lightly, and I appreciate that. And a wonderful service. Thank you for making Wednesday night big. This is great. What you have going on here is something special. Don't lose it. This is special. And uh, just everything going on, everyone's in their place. Thank you for being faithful. I know some are sick, but you're making Wednesday night important. And I believe God is pleased. And Pastor said it best. He said it because he's worthy. We do things first class. And I agree. I 100% agree. 2 Timothy chapter 3. What we'll do is we'll read the last three verses, four verses, I should say. So start in verse 14, then I'll pray, and then we'll jump into the meat of the message tonight. And if you could be in prayer for me, that I'd speak the words that God has for us tonight. And I want to be a blessing to you all and encourage you. You know, we live in a time that can be very discouraging if we focus too much on what's going on around us. So in verse 14, Paul says to Timothy, But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. And hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Can we read verse 17 together, church family? The Bible says that the man of God may be perfect. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the comfort we can draw from your word. Thank you for the direction that your word provides. Thank you for the correction that your word provides. We'll talk about that tonight. And I pray, Lord, during this time that you please set me aside. I just have a desire to be an empty suit. You know my heart. I just want to speak the words you have for us. And I pray you'd encourage my heart and encourage the hearts of those around us. And what must we do in this evil day? What must we do? What have you given us to do? Thank you, Jesus, that you never leave us without an answer. In your name I pray, amen. Of course, 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to his protege, Timothy, and encouraging Timothy, and uh, and talking of the last days and the signs of the times. And of course, Paul was living in a very wicked time, wasn't he? the Roman Empire, and he was living through wicked uh, rulership and just complete uh, uh, just sickness and perversion, and a lot of what you can see in 2 Timothy chapter 3 can be in line with the Roman Empire and the way their society had gone. But you know what didn't happen 2,000 years ago? Christ didn't come back then, but he's coming back soon. Amen? And the time is drawing near, and we find ourselves... In these moments, as Paul discussed in 2 Timothy chapter 3, look with me in verse 1. And Brother Bird and I were talking about this before the service, talking about the times that we live in. The Bible says in verse 1 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Times of trouble, times of peril, times of instability. It seems like our world has changed very quickly in just a few years, hasn't it? And even beforehand, it's just spiraling very quickly out of control. And we live in these times, and Paul goes on to explain what we should see in those times. Verse 2, he says, But for men shall be lovers of their own selves. My friend, that is the me-first attitude of today. It's all about me. It's all about what I can get. 
It's all about how I can be best served. And uh, it's, it's not in accordance to putting other people's needs first. I love the, the acronym for the word joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. There's true joy. We don't see that much today. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, which is wanting things that you can't rightfully have. We see a rise in that in social media, don't we? Be careful with that, Christian. The boasters, those that like to talk to themselves. The proud, those that lift their hearts up. Those blasphemers of today. Of course, it's sad. It's, it's hard to be in the workplace at times, isn't it, my friends? When we hear other, every other word being used as a swear word. We deal with this very commonly in England with our society 40 years ahead of the United States in, in perversion. And it's become very commonplace to take God's name in vain in the phrasing that they use, and they miss it. They're so, they're so far gone, and they're getting saved, and they're getting right with God. I don't want you to, to miss that, but our society, when it comes to blasphemy, God's people, we've got to stand up and say, that's not right. And God forbid we would say such a thing ourselves, to take our precious Lord's name in vain, such sickness, the disobedient to parents. You know, we can't get teachers to get in the classroom. We can't. We struggle with children with their relationship with their parents and the disobedience we see. Even today, Paul mentioned that. The unthankful. Ooh, we could pause here for a while, can't we? Put Daniel Soltz's name in there sometimes. Get very unthankful. God's been so good to us. He spoils me rotten. I know he spoils you as well. And, of course, we go through difficult times, but we have so much to be thankful for. And count our blessings, right? Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. The unholy, the rise in today where everything that is unclean has been lifted up, everything that's dirty has been lifted up and made to be excused over and, and just wiped away, and that's, that's not right. Verse 3, the Bible says, without natural affection. Of course, the sexual perversion of today goes along with that line, this homosexuality, bestiality, transsexual movement goes along with without natural affection. Truce breakers, some, some of the gray heads in here could remember a day when a man's word was his bond. He gave his word, he was going to do it, she was going to do it. But so many times, willy-nilly our word is, I'll do it, I'll get around to it, but we don't really mean what we're saying, do we? So got to be careful with that. We see that today. The false accusers. The slander that's just slammed at people today. Just really, and they're coming after God's people, and we'll see this, of course, but they're gonna slander us. They're gonna bring up accusations. They're doing their best in our society to take out anything that's good with slander. And we see a rise in that in our world today. We see, of course, the uh, incontinent, those that don't have self-control, the fierce, those that respond in anger and wrath, just the scariness of that. The despisers of those that are good. There you have it. God's people in target and anything that's lifted up as good is despised and it's attacked. Verse four, the traitors, those that betray so they can get ahead. The heady, the high-minded, they, they lift themselves up in the presence of others. They think very highly of themselves. The lovers of pleasure more than the lovers of God. And of course, like I've already said, God's people are not immune to any of this, are we? We can get into that trap where if it doesn't please me, if it doesn't make me happy, it's not worth doing. Ooh, that's a dangerous place to be, my friend. 
there are many things that don't make Daniel so happy. I still got to do them. And uh, if the tire blows out, I got to get out and change it. Doesn't make me happy. Got to do it. You know, some things we just got to we just got to get over ourselves and not focus too much on pleasing ourselves every moment, every day. Careful of that. Verse five. The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power of thereof. thereof from such turn away and the emptiness of so-called Christians today. And the world sees that. And they see that there's nothing there. And we are to turn away from that. Don't partake in that. Find something that's real. I think you have. I know you have. Stick with it. Amen? Verse 6. <coughs> beg, beg your pardon. For of this sort are they which lead into, uh, which creep into houses and Lead captives, silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. It's interesting that Paul mentions that form of sexual perversion. I know this is a mixed crowd. I won't go too deep. I just want to say we got to be very careful in our day. Sexual perversion is just at the fingertips, isn't it? Don't have to go to a location. It's right where we are sometimes. If we're not careful, men should be accountable. I, I wholly stand by that. We should be accountable to our wives and vice versa. Being careful of today, put up those put up those guards. You know, in the Old Testament, they had to put a wall around their rooftop so that way they wouldn't be liable if someone fell off their roof. You and I need to put up a wall around our families, a wall around our lives to protect ourselves from the wicked sexual perversion of today. Okay, all right, continuing on. So can we agree so far that we see this in our society? Unfortunately, this is where we are. Verse seven ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further. Further folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Paul mentions two people, Janus and Jambres, here in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Who is Janus and Jambres mentioned here? Let's put a placeholder here or a prayer card and run over to Exodus chapter 7. So just put a placeholder. We're going to come back here. Exodus chapter 7. <clears throat> and we are going to look at who these men are. Of course, Paul is speaking of learned people, people who are knowledgeable. So going into the Old Testament, we come to Exodus chapter 7 and verse 8. We pick up where Moses and Aaron are about to go in front of Pharaoh, and they are going to get in front of the mightiest man in the world and proclaim to the mightiest man in the world that he has a responsibility to let God's people go. So they come before Pharaoh, and the Bible says in verse 8, And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. Verse 10, the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Of course, you see the amazing miracle of God taking a dead piece of wood and turning it into a live poisonous snake. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not too crazy about snakes we were at the Houston Zoo a few weeks ago. We were looking at anaconda, and they, those things can grow up to 300 pounds. Whew. I didn't want to get in the midst of that water, would you? 
no, thank you, no, 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 not, not interested in that form of excitement and uh, unnecessary trauma. That's the way I like to refer to it, unnecessary trauma. But you see God, he's gonna get Pharaoh's attention. He's gonna take that dead piece of wood and uh, the dead piece of wood that got Moses' attention back in Exodus chapter three when God called him. And aren't you glad Moses went? Can I pause and say, aren't you glad Moses did what God called him to do? Nobody was ever used in the Bible like Moses has been used ever since. God used Moses in a mighty way. And you know what's neat? God has a plan for your life and my life that only you can do. And it's specially tailored will of God. Amen? It's neat. Neatest thing. But here you have Moses. He's been called by God. God used this rod at that time. So Moses is going to do what God has commanded to do. He throws the rod down, turns into a serpent. And that is to get Pharaoh's attention. Would it get your attention? Surely. Would it get my attention? Surely. Pharaoh's attention, instead of focusing on the serpent, instead of focusing on the miracle, what God was doing, verse 11, you see where Pharaoh pivots. And the Bible says in Exodus 7, 11, then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers and now the magicians of Egypt, and they did in a like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents, but Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. So instead of recognizing the power of God, instead of recognizing that God is trying to get his attention, Pharaoh looks to the learned men around him, and many theologians point to Janus and Jambres being amongst that group, these learned men, and saying, okay, guys, okay, boys, explain it away. And this incident didn't happen just one time, it happened multiple times, where God brought a miraculous miracle into place, you know, turned the Nile into, into blood, and Pharaoh's like, okay, boys, explain it away. And we live in a society today where we have the most beautiful planet, don't we? We have the amazing creation that we live in, we have the bodies that God has given us. I was witnessing to an optometrist a few months ago, and the man was a Muslim. I was talking to him about the Lord. And he looked at me, he's like, well, what you're saying about creation very much makes sense because this human eye is so intricate. There's no way this happened by accident. And there's, we have such intricacy. God has been so good to us. He's given us intelligence. You know, we're not like the monkeys I saw swinging in the zoo we were at a few months ago. We're not like that. God has separated us from the animals. <coughs> He's allowed us to have his attributes. But instead of recognizing the power of God, we've got an element of people today that's rapidly growing that are doing their best, my friend, to explain away the miraculous things of God. We see that today, don't we? They sit in their university halls. <coughs> Beg your pardon. They... <coughs> mm. They get onto their YouTube channels. They get on. <coughs> I, I do apologize. Got a little frog in my throat. Ribbit needs to go away. <coughs> Still working through it. They sit in their uh, university halls or YouTube channels. They sit on the twelve o'clock news, and they do their best, my friend, to explain the explain away the supernatural things of God. And one day, my friend, their folly will be revealed. But unfortunately, the masses are following them right now. And God's people, we've got to mark these people. Mark them in front of our young people. Give our young people the truth of God's word to counter the evil of today. That's also mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let's run back there. <coughs> I beg your pardon. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
So we recognize the evil. So what should we do? What should we do in the face of such evil? I'm glad God gave us an answer. Verse 10, Paul picks up and he says this. Chapter starts to take a pivot. He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. First, first directive I believe the Lord gives us when it comes to the world that we live in is number one, continue to look for and to be real Christians. Look for real Christians and be a real Christian. I'm so glad the Apostle Paul was real, weren't you? And I don't believe this is a heart of pride that Paul's speaking out of, but a heart of testimony. Timothy, you saw something real. And there's something special, my friend. Of course, we can read about heroes of the faith here in God's word, can't we? But we can also, is there something special about seeing flesh and blood? Isn't it amazing? People who've been real, and that's an encouragement to us to be real as well. And we have a responsibility to continue to look to and to be real Christians. Put a placeholder here. Run with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. What should we do? Left evil. Continue to look for and to be real Christians. First directive. John 15, Christ is speaking here. He's the vine, we are the branches, amen. If you borrow the vine of Christ, that means you've accepted his salvation. Are you saved, my friend? You're 100% sure if you died today, if you'd go to heaven. Do you have that settled? I was a four-year-old boy when I made that decision. I'm very glad for that day. My friend, do you have that day settled? You can't be part of the vine of Christ if you haven't accepted his gift of salvation. And that's what it is. It's a gift freely received. But in verse 5 of chapter 15, you see Christ speaking further, and he's talking again, speaking of us, speaking of his role in our lives and what he expects of us. I'm the vine, verse 5. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Now, if you haven't highlighted, if you haven't underlined, if you haven't boxed or circled that word nothing, please do. So many times in my Bible reading, and I don't know if you've been here before, but I miss over that word nothing. Because Christ has called us to do a work. He enables us to do a work with him as we do it for him, not by ourselves. Amen? So we are to do this with Christ. Those that don't do this with Christ, those that aren't real, verse 6 comes about. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. You see the disregard of God's people when somebody isn't real. The Bible talks about a branch that is thrown to the ground. It's a fruitless branch. It's not connected to the vine. It wasn't abiding with Christ. It didn't have a walk with him. And the walk with him is laid out in verse 7. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. Oh, there's a time of 
in his word. And ye shall ask what ye will. There's a time of prayer, and it shall be done unto you. Abiding with Christ. If a person isn't real, if a person doesn't have a walk with God, if a person has, doesn't have a burden for souls, Christians see that, and we don't regard that, unfortunately. And that's a testimony that is not going to bear fruit for Christ. My friends, I don't want that testimony. I'm sure you have that desire as well. I'm glad you made it on a Wednesday night. Can I encourage you to be real and be thankful for those that are real? All right. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. What should we do in the face of such evil? Continue to look for and be real Christians. I don't want to be a branch, I know you don't either, that is thrown aside and burned. Verse 13, Paul says this, in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now why is verse 13 there? After Paul's already mentioned the wickedness that we're going to see in our society, it seems like he takes a step back. Here's a thought. Um, I believe this goes in line with God's word, but I believe God knew that God's people would become discouraged because of the wickedness we see around us. Recognize that wickedness will continue. God's still in control. The second point is continue to have compassion on the wicked. Continue to reach out. That doesn't mean endorsing what they're doing, but that does mean going still into the highways of the hedges and compelling them to come in. Amen? God's word hasn't changed. We still have a job to do. I'm so glad that uh, there was a man who sat across from my dad while he was in the Air Force who got a burden for him and gave him a preaching tape. And in 1984, in a, out there in England, my dad accepted Christ. That was somebody who knew him personally who had a burden for him. I'm so glad my mother's boyfriend that she was dating in Louisville, Kentucky, when she was 19 years old, got a burden to reach her with the gospel. And then God led him to Howes Anderson College and onto the mission field. I'm so glad at four years old that the dad that was shared the gospel in 1984 then took his Bible and showed me how I could be saved. Amen? And you know what? Continuing to have compassion on the wicked, not forgetting that we were once there and we were in the dregs of sin and somebody came and told us. Amen? And this world's going to keep getting more perverse this world's going to keep getting more messed up. This world's going to get to the point where I think as Christians, we become very introverted because we don't want to go out in it anymore because it distresses us so much. Ever been there? Kind of want to put blinders over your eyes and just not see what's going on? But we're not to be like that. You know, Christ said to lift up our eyes, didn't he? In Acts chapter 3, when Peter walked in through that temple gate, he was looking for that lame man that day. We are to lift up our eyes and be looking in this world for fruit, for souls that are open to the gospel, amen? And keep giving out gospel tracts, no matter how wicked the world becomes. Just keep moving forward. Thirdly, Paul makes it very clear in verse 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus of course, Paul's now making an emphasis on God's word, making an emphasis on his word. And the third point is to continue on in the assured word. Amen? Continue on in this holy book. And Paul mentioned it, makes mention of Timothy. Look, this is the word of God that made thee wise unto salvation. Amen? Aren't you glad for the day someone showed you from God's word and you were made 
wise in the salvation. You understood how to be saved. Timothy was glad for that day. Timothy also made a decision that he says, continue thou, thou in the things that thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Timothy was educated and he made an educated decision. He was assured that this was God's word. And have you educated and made an educated decision that this is God's word? Have you made that for yourself? Or are you still hanging on to the coattails of someone else? Please, my friend, make the decision. Is this God's word for the English people? Is this God's word for your life? Amen? Because this is where Satan wants to attack us. Because as we continue on, and Paul, of course, in verse 16, starts mentioning the nutrients of what God's word, the role that God's word has in our lives. But I love what verse 17 says, and then we'll jump back to verse 16. That man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means we have everything we need. That means we're not doing this as, at a half job. We've got the full equipment that we need to fight in this evil day. So what does the Bible give us? Verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's our foundation. That's why we do what we do. I'm so glad you have a discipleship class. 25 people have gone through the discipleship class. Brother Terry, thank you. Praise the Lord for your faithfulness. And learning the foundation of our faith. Amen? God's word. If your foundation is improperly set, your life will wobble. Your life will shake. There is a building right now in New York City that overlooks the Hudson Bay. It's got beautiful penthouse apartments in it. It's going to be a billionaire's playhouse. But you know what? That building, if you were to take a, a golf ball or a little ping pong ball and put that on the floor, you'll watch that ball just roll to the east. And it'll roll to the end of the wall. And that shows that something's not right in the infrastructure. Because that building, my friends, has shifted 10 degrees to the east. That means that the foundation was improperly laid. I wonder why nobody wants to move in. I don't know. But anyway, and they've got lawsuits and everything going on right now. It's a big deal. But nobody wants to move in because the foundation wasn't, wasn't laid right. And my friends, we have to lay our foundation squarely upon what this Bible tells us. Right. Amen? Right. It's backed up in Scripture. Secondly, the Bible's there, so all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That's answering the folly of today. The world needs to hear more of God's word spoken out there, giving them the reproof that they must hear. That's why they're coming after this book. That's why they want to ban this book. There are some Christians that are hiding their Bibles right now because it's coming quickly. They're coming after our Bible. They want to take it away from us. Why? Because it tells them what they don't want to hear. And God's people, speaking the truth in love, yes, we got to give the world the reproof they need to hear. Wisely, wise serpents, harmless as doves, yes, as scripture lays out, but giving the reproof that this world needs. And then finally, uh, secondly, thirdly, I should say, I'm ahead of myself, for correction. God's word is to correct us. Correction, that word means to straighten. I think of a pipe that's out of, out of whack and it needs to be set correctly again. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Talking about the word correction. Of course, in verse 12, common verse, many, many individuals memorize this verse. 
highly recommend it. Verse 12, the Bible says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible gets right to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? It cuts right where it needs to be. Growing up in England, of course, uh, we got to see many a castle, and we got to do that on family days every now and then, when the weather was nice. Now that, that was a tough one, because in England we're known for our rain, so you can never plan on the weather, just plan for it to be rainy. But anyway, if we found a nice day, we'd go to a castle. We'd go see the outside, go inside, take a tour. The nicer castles usually would have an armory, and they would like to display their weaponry from the period of the castle and years after. And of course, in any armory, you'll have a sword. And if you date a medieval or Roman-type sword, you'll see the sharp edges that these swords had. And these swords weren't made like Hollywood likes to show them as, as fencing weapons and, and where you have a little back and forth and then the villain gets stabbed in the heart and it's a big deal and everything that entails that. These swords were brutal. They swung that sword and it caught your arm. Guess what? Your arm was coming off. They swung it hard enough. They swung it towards your head. Your head's coming off. And you you can't get a head without a head. So they were brutal things. Little little horrible English humor there. Anyway. (laughs) They were brutal things. And they were there to cause harm. They were not playthings. And... um, Looking at those, I was just admire, I would admire those. Let's run back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and that's what God's word described of. It's a sharp sword, my friends. It pierces right to the heart. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in sin, when I'm going down a path I shouldn't go, it seems like I neglect my Bible reading. Been there before? It's odd how that happens. Why? Because this book tells me what I need to hear. Amen. And if we allow this Bible to speak to us, it will point out sins in our life and correct us. And if we listen, if we repent, if we confess and forsake, we can get right back on the path we're supposed to be on. But we have to spend time in this word. Amen? Glad you have a preacher who preaches from God's word and the correction that comes from that. Amen? All scripture, verse 16 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The word instruction there means to educate. The Bible educates us in how to live right. I love this. I love that the Bible explains to us how we can walk in the spirit, not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It makes it very evident how that happens. And that's Galatians chapter five. And my friends, if you're going through sin in your life, that's a besetting sin, you can have victory. Stop carrying the chains of sin any longer. Lay them at the foot of the cross where they already were fell, fallen to and keep moving forward. And that comes with instruction in righteousness. And God's word tells us how that happens. It's laid out very clearly in his word. The promises of Romans chapter eight, the promises of Galatians chapter five, run there, run to God's word and get the help we all need, amen? We all need to be instructed in how to live Right. So we're talking about what should we do in the face of such evil. Number one, we need to continue to look for and to be real Christians. Number two, we need to continue having compassion on the wicked. 
and reaching them with the gospel. And then number, uh, number three, we need to continue on in the assured word. Do you have a time in God's word? Can I end with this? Do you have a time where you meditate on God's word? Meditation is not what Eastern religion describes, which is an emptying of your mind. No, that's scary. Meditation is taking intentionally a part of God's word and thinking on it, mulling over it, and making sure you get it and not passing over. And for some of us, you know, when we, when we meditate, when we focus on God's word, some of us need to have an audio Bible. Some of us need to write it out. Some of us need to put it to music. How best do you meditate on God's word? You say, well, I don't know. Well, you need to find it. Quick, don't wait. We need to feed on this word. It is something, it's a sustenance to our life. So, what should we do in the face of such evil? I already went through the points. We'll conclude for tonight. Continue to look for and to be real Christians. Continue to have compassion on the wicked and continue on in the assured word. Can I have every head bowed, every eye closed? We'll wrap up the Bible study. You heard God's word tonight. Pastor, if you would like to come up. You heard God's word tonight. Heard some encouragement from God's word. Did that point on being real, was that something that you needed to hear? Just, I know that's something I needed to hear. Did the point on continuing on to get out the gospel, is that something you've been discouraged in recently? May our hearts be encouraged. May we make a decision to keep that moving forward. And then finally, do you have a time in God's word? Are you continuing on in the assured word? Are we, are we still playing Christian? Can I encourage you with these things? Is God speaking to you? Maybe tonight we need to make a decision. Pastor, would you come? Well, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Why don't we stand tonight, if you will, please? And uh, heads bowed, eyes closed. And, you know, I was just thinking while, while Brother Daniel was finishing up tonight, truth of the matter is we're not going to make it without the Word. We're just not going to make it. We're going to have to have it. In these troubling times in which we're living, he's right about that. Well, we need the Word of God like we've never needed the Word of God. And so I would just ask us tonight, hey, do you have a regular time, a regular time when you're walking with the Lord and spending time with God? And you know, if that's not the case tonight, maybe tonight you just need to slip out, tiptoe down to this old-fashioned altar, and just recommit your life to that. Lord, help me to have a time every day, every single day, where I spend time in the Word of God. Or maybe you're here this evening and you say, Pastor, I do, but I need to do better. I need to increase it. I need to sort of rededicate my life to that. If that's you tonight, we're going to pause just for a moment, just for a moment. And if you need to come, the altar's open, or maybe you're here tonight, and there's just something that you need to pray about, something in your life right now. Maybe there's a burden of some kind. Maybe someone that you're burdened about, and you just need to come tonight, remember them, pray for them. Then while we pause just for a moment, will you come while we wait? Will you come? So, Father, we thank you for your blessings. And Lord, thank you for the challenge that we've received tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be real. And God, the only way that we'll be real is by making sure every single day we walk with God. 
Lord, help us to be so faithful to our prayer time, our Bible reading time. And Lord, thank you that it instructs us in the way that we should go. Lord, maybe, just maybe, there's somebody here tonight. Lord, they needed that challenge. Lord, I needed it. No doubt about that. Lord, help me to be faithful. Lord, it's so easy to be, Lord, Lord to give time to other things and then to neglect our, our walk with the Lord. Father, forgive us for when we do that. Lord, help us to be faithful. Oh, God, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful. God, have your way in this invitation right now. I pray that you're speaking to hearts. And Lord, I pray that we'll leave this place better Christians than we were when we entered. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Right before we go tonight, I know this is mainly our folks, but it could be there's somebody here tonight and say, Preacher, I need to be saved. Wednesday night's a great night to get saved. And if you need to come, listen, the altars are open. I'll, I'll meet you here. Or if you're watching by way of live stream tonight, we're so glad to have you tuning in. And there's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And we have some folks that are waiting right beside the phone. They're waiting right now. They would love to take your call and share Christ with you. Would you call right now if you're watching live stream? And we can help you. Please call that number. We'd love to, we'd love to pray with you.